Thank you for choosing to listen to our First Love podcast from First Presbyterian Church, Jacksonville, Illinois, with Reverend Jonathan Warren for February 9th, 2020. Reverend Warren's sermon title today is Fast Love, after which you can enjoy the FPC Chancel Choir singing, Create in Me a Clean Heart. We pray that you have a successful and blessed week. Our reading from the Old Testament comes to us from Isaiah chapter 58, verses 1 through 9. Let us listen to the words Isaiah brings us. Shout out, do not hold back, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Announce to my people their rebellion, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet day after day they seek me and delight to know my ways as if they were a nation that practiced righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why do we fast? You do not see. Why humble ourselves, but you do not notice? Look, you serve your own interest on your fast day and oppress all your workers. Look, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to strike with a wicked fist. Such fasting as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose a day to humble oneself? Is it to bow down the head like a bulrush and to lie in sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin? Then your light shall break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. This is the word of the Lord. When Dr. King gave his I Have a Dream speech, it seemed like a prophetic message way ahead of its time. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream that one day, one day right there in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. Now, I would imagine most of us, when hearing a prophetic message, would say that prophets predict events for the distant future. I want to fill you in on a secret. The prophet's role isn't about predicting the future or being a fortune teller. 
Instead, prophets are usually concerned about changing people's behavior in the present. It's exactly what Dr. King did. He's urging people to change today. And if we do, then tomorrow will be better. So the prophet's role isn't about predicting the future. They're often just pointing out the obvious in the present. One scholar says it this way, a prophet tells the people what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. So when hearing Isaiah 58, it's essential to know what's happening to them in their present. There must be a reason Isaiah is telling God's people to fast differently. So these people have just returned from exile. They've been uprooted from their homes, and finally they return back to Jerusalem. You could imagine dreams of returning to the way things used to be. But those who hadn't gone into exile, they had remained there. They took over the lands and positions of power once held by those returning. And then, to make matters worse, the Babylonians relocated exiles from other conquered countries to Jerusalem. So there's three groups of people now all coexisting in the same place. If you know anything about the Palestinian-Israeli situation, I'm sure you could guess what happened. Conflict arose as the returnees attempted to regain powers, uh, power and positions, and the people of the land were not about to give it up. Instead of this harmonious and restored Israel that Isaiah had proclaimed in exile, the land of Judah was now in turmoil. Economically, taxes were high, people were overextended, often having to sell their land and become indentured servants to foreigners who now lived in their land. So these people had finally received their freedom. They were finally doing the proper religious rituals in their homeland. They were fasting, they were praying, and they're wondering, all for what? There wasn't any relief from their suffering. And this is when Isaiah tells these people what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. And that's how you know he's a prophet. He's concerned about changing their behavior in the present. So Isaiah tells them the kind of fast that God desires, and it has nothing to do with their own needs. The truth is, while we're in a different time and place than Isaiah and the people there, we could probably learn a thing or two from these prophetic words, changing our behavior in our present. What would a wise prophet like Isaiah tell us? What do we need to hear? Not what we want to hear. Now, certainly, there are plenty of good people around the world praying, fasting, and giving all they can to help the needs of others. Some might say to pray harder. Some may say to give more money, material goods, or time to ease the suffering in the world. While these are all valuable things to do and shouldn't be abandoned, God calls us to something more. We live in a world where the problems we face are overwhelming, Homelessness, human trafficking, meth and opioid addictions, mass incarceration, hunger, epidemics. 
And yet our country is hyper-polarized, hyper-politicized, hyper-anxious to such a point that nobody can focus on fixing these major challenges. I could imagine Isaiah, when watching the State of the Union address this week, would have seen the Speaker of the House extending her hand, but the President not shaking it. Then at the end, he would have seen her ripping his speech in retaliation. What would he tell us when he sees these politicians that we've elected on both sides acting like children? He'd probably tell us what we need to hear, maybe not what we want to hear. Knowing all the problems our country and world face, I can imagine Isaiah sharing a very similar message to us, to God's children, for in those days, it wasn't a message just for one side or the other. It was a message for all of God's children. Isaiah's message is one of justice and one of love. Isaiah is speaking for God and reminds them that the fast that God desires, which pushes them beyond the walls of their religious prayers and fasting and giving, It's to loose the bonds of justice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke, to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house. When we see the naked, to cover them and not to hide ourselves from our own kin. God is calling His people to action. And this action is a fast of love. When they first manufactured golf balls, they made the cover smooth. Then it was discovered that after a ball had been roughed up, one could get more distance out of it. So they started manufacturing them with dimpled covers. So it is with life. It takes some rough spots in your life make you go the farthest. I think that's what is powerful in this passage. Isaiah is telling these folks and to us that we have it in ourselves, full of mistakes, full of immaturity, to go further. Even though there's conflict and adversity, financial difficulties, difference of opinion, this doesn't seem to hinder God's working. God's still able to work with these people. But today they need a reminder of what they're called to do as God's children. And what's amazing to me is that God's calling these people, whether they like it or not, to action that isn't inwardly focused. It's not casting blame on another. Instead, it's to live as God's children, acting with justice, uh, acting with love, acting with compassion, which means that the purpose of worship and fasting and prayer and giving isn't to get our way, but rather to live into God's will, to get us ready to live into action, to choose the fast of love beyond these walls. That's part of why I give of your heart Sunday. While it's sure a clever way to get you involved in our church family, there's something bigger at stake here. 
The hope is that you act and serve and learn and love here so that you can go out there and do even more. We don't come to worship to get something out of it. It's not like going to the movies. We're not just consumers here. Worship is supposed to be transformational, moving us to action, moving us beyond just prayers and fasting, moving us to love all of God's people in and beyond these walls. In my last church, Mark Kohlberg, he hadn't ever been to church much as an adult. His wife had been to church for many years on her own. They had adopted a son and recently moved to Tennessee. And for some reason, he decided to go to church with her. He joined the church and started attending Sunday school classes. One of the classes was reading uh, Robert Lupton's book, Toxic Charity. It's about how churches and charities sometimes hurt folks instead of actually helping them. It talks about our assistance, which can actually cripple people, making folks dependent rather than empowering them. It's a very eye-opening book. It's worth a read. But it got Mark to share about his passion. And he started talking about his passion for education. Mark had been a professor in genealogy right before he came to Tennessee and had an interest in education. And out of these discussions, he encouraged our church to find a new way to help people in poverty, not just giving food or shelter. We wanted to give something more. And so we started learning that the Red Cross offered training for CNAs, and it only cost $1,200 or $1,500. They learned about training for beauty school, the church budgeted funds for scholarships and asked a local agency to find a candidate. And the hope there was to encourage someone to go to school, to get training. They could have a steady job and maybe benefits. And that's when Mark shared with me this pearl of wisdom. He said, if you impact one person, It changes their children's lives and their children's children. And pretty soon there's generations who have been changed. So if you change one person, then you've changed the world. It's inspiring, isn't it? Isaiah's message, it's inspiring, calling us to action. How do we turn what we do here in this building? How can we turn our prayers? How do we turn our fasting? How do we turn all these things into something bigger right now, here in the present? What are the ways you and I can bring justice what are the ways you and I can actually help somebody else? 
The prophet Isaiah is urging people to change today. And God uses us, broken, imperfect people. And all it has to do is start with one person. What is the fast God desires of us? It is a fast of love, a fast of justice, a fast of action. The reason we worship is so that we are ready to go out into the world to change it. In the name of love, in the name of God, if we change one person today, then we change the world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Thank you for listening to the First Love Podcast. For more information about the First Presbyterian Church of Jacksonville, Illinois, visit our webpage at www.firstpresjax.org. That's www.firstpresjax.org. Our email is office at firstpresjax.org. The church phone is 217-245-4189. Street address is 870 West College. Children and adult Sunday school services are every Sunday from 9 to 9.45 a.m. Sunday church service starts at 10 a.m. We invite you to visit us whenever you're in the neighborhood. 